Hey friends, I'm Bryant Russ, and in partnership with Christian Schools International, you're listening to Lighting a Fire. Boy, especially in this time of the pandemic, that's even more important to think about what are the social-emotional skills of students. Hey friends, thanks for joining us for today's conversation on social-emotional learning with school psychologist Betsy Winkle from All Belong Center for Inclusive Education. This conversation is brought to you by Kelvin Theological Seminary. Kelvin Sem offers a wide range of online courses and programs, including a certificate in Bible instruction specifically tailored for teachers. To learn more, head on over to kelvinseminary.edu. Hey, Betsy, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation around social emotional learning. I'm so excited to learn from you today. Before we dive in, would you mind sharing just a little bit about who you are and All Belong, the organization that you work for? Sure. Yes, my name is Betsy Winkle. I am a school psychologist and the direct, one of the directors of educational services at All Belong. And at All Belong, our mission is to come alongside faith-based schools and churches to help them include individuals of all abilities and to support whole families. We envision a world where communities are marked by belonging for persons with varied abilities and that God's kingdom is complete when space is made for everyone. Um, So we consult and train schools and churches across the country to include students of all abilities. And this year, we're partnering with over 70 schools across nine different states. And I myself have been a school psychologist for the better part of the past 20 years. I've worked in public schools, charter schools, and now working in faith-based schools across all different grade levels. Oh, that's awesome. Can you tell me a little bit about how did you become interested in becoming a school psychologist? Oh, good question. I think I've always been interested in how people think and how they kind of arrive to be who they are or keep arriving to be who they are, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So I think I was drawn towards the field of psychology and then had a chance to have a good conversation with one of my professors at Calvin. And they kind of pointed me in the direction of school psychology. And I've always loved education. I feel that as a school psychologist, we're so uniquely positioned to really Mm. help to understand students. Um, And my heart is really for kids on the margins as well. And we know that we have the most access to kids when they are in school. And I know that puts some increased demand on educators to kind of think outside of just content. But um, boy, especially in this time of the pandemic, that's even more important to think about what are the social emotional skills of students. And I think, you know, that's kind of how I landed where I am now. I love thinking. I love problem solving. I love getting to know kids and being a part of a solution for kids who are stuck in school, whether that's through learning, their behavior, um, managing their emotions, all of those pieces. So yeah, that's, I I feel like I learned what a school psychologist was when I became one, but I trust that God's providence brought me there for a reason. (laughs) Oh, awesome. Yeah. You know, even just in what you're describing, I just say, oh, amen, because as a teacher myself, you see how the social emotional dimension of a person is so so core mm-hmm. to how how we operate in community and as individuals and realizing that, yeah, this needs to be something we think about and talk about and address directly mm-hmm. rather than just have it exist maybe beneath the surface or, or off our radar. Yeah. And I love, I think I get to spend time just marveling in how intricately God designed the human body and how our 
our emotions and our cognitive skills and our learning and our physiological state are all so linked. And it's fun to get to know like, boy, what are these kids areas where they feel the most of whom God's called them to be? And how do we help for them to live in those spaces and Mm. then still do hard things, right? Because there's parts of all of our lives that will always continue to be hard and conflict is a part of life. Well, Betsy, I can't wait to learn from you. I think my prior knowledge is about as deep as Pixar's Inside Out. So (laughs) I can't wait to find out a little more about emotions and how we operate as human beings. I often wish I could meet the people that made Inside Out because (laughs) I think it's amazing. I watched that movie in small clips of it and my sweet children are always like, really, we're watching this again. (laughs) But there's so many layers when you really sit and think about that movie. So Hmm. Yeah, so true. Social emotional learning has actually, the study of it has been around for quite a while. CASEL is the Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning, and they just celebrated their 30th year of doing this research last year. Hmm. So the definition that I really use is um, social emotional learning is the process through which children and adults understand and manage emotions, set and achieve positive goals, feel and show empathy for others, establish and maintain positive relationships, and make responsible decisions. So that's actually the definition out of CASEL. So we're going to dive wow. into those five big ideas. Wow. Just in that definition you just gave, I would I would say, wow, that sounds like most of life right there. Right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, and it is helpful to kind of frame this whole conversation that Um, The CASEL framework is a framework. And if we think about what frameworks really do, they kind of give us a structure for understanding something and for holding that up. Um, So we think of the SEL framework as something that helps us get some structure around our learners and ourselves, because I appreciate that CASEL includes, this is for our students, but this is also for us to think about as the adults in the room as well. Hmm. And with holding it as a framework, we... um, can have a tendency to pay attention to what's most relevant in the moment, but having a framework can kind of guide us towards what research has found is are the most important elements to pay attention to because it's kind of a big concept. And to boil it down to five different competencies feels a little like, ooh, is that really possible? Um, but when we when we all operate from the same framework and kind of hold that in front of us, it gives us a common language and really helps for us to kind of navigate this big topic in a common language kind of way. The other piece I would add to that is before, like as we kind of journey through these five big ideas, it's really important to think through a couple of different aspects of it. One is developmental age, right? Um, I think your audience is going to cover those that work with early childhood kids all the way up through high school. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really important to know that, you know, we all have, our brains are growing and different parts of our brain are growing at different times. And so we have access to some of these skills a little bit different um, at different ages. So you want to consider developmental age and what can be expected and how do we kind of hold that for students, um, knowing that, you know, we want to, we want to understand where they're at developmentally. We also want to think of, think of things related to equity. So those are pieces of cultural belief, any biases or power dynamics that might be at play too. So when we're teaching social emotional learning, we want to make sure we're honoring all of those different cultural and, bi- and bias elements that are just a part of normal everyday life. Um, certainly in this time of racial unrest over the summer, 
we want to be sensitive to the fact that we're all going to um, kind of engage with these different competencies different differently from a cultural standpoint too. Mm, um, totally. So we want to hold that in mind. Gender is another piece. When we think about social emotional learning, I think a lot of times we think of some of these skills being more um, geared towards one gender or another. Um, and how do we help to hold that in mind as we work through it and know that these skills are important for boys and girls. We don't need to prioritize them in one direction or another. And a lot of them, when we go through them, it's a lot of the fruits of the spirit too. Hmm. So that's something that God calls all of us to. Less than 50% of boys with mental health challenges seek help. So hmm. we want to kind of hold that in mind. How do we, we often empower our girls as feelers, but we also want to empower our boys to be feelers as well. So thinking um, about how do we help equip young boys and young girls to really develop a robust sense of all five of these competencies. And the last consideration we just want to hold in mind is our adult social, social emotional learning. Kids development doesn't happen in a vacuum. We're, we're a part of that too. So we want to kind of know as staff, as teachers and as counselors and as psychologists and social workers, how are we doing with all of these competency skills too? How are we, especially in this time of pandemic, paying attention to where we're at with our social emotional competencies and keeping to work towards developing them as well? I think this is, it's certainly an ongoing process for all of us. And how do we interact and engage in each of these two as we're guiding kids through them? Awesome. That's such a helpful framework before diving in. So the first competency is self-awareness. And we're going to talk through all five of them. Self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and then responsible decision-making. And it's kind of like you kind of do work through them in that order, but you're always developing all of them too. Hmm. So self-awareness is our first competency. And the first two are both intrapersonal skills. So there's things that happen and occur within that individual learner. So kind of within your own body. So self-awareness is really our ability to recognize our feelings, our interests, our strengths, and our limitations. So there's always a question we kind of want kids to be wrestling with this with as we think about these different competencies. And with self-awareness, that question is, how do I know myself, my emotions, my thoughts, and my cultural identity? So a lot of the time with self-awareness is spent understanding emotions and how they feel in our bodies and what they do, how they drive our behavior at time too. So emotions really are information and they impact a lot of aspects of learning like attention and memory, relationships, they impact our health and they impact our creativity. Well, and I think in our faith tradition, sometimes we highlight a lot of those positive emotions and we don't always give language for kids for what more of those stressful emotions mm -hmm. might be. So what does anxiety feel like? What does anger feel like? And then you can read through Psalms and I think one of the things I'm particularly paying attention to right now is lament. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a real tangible thing for a lot of our communities. There's a lot of loss. And if we only focus on the celebratory aspects of who God's created us to be as worshipers, we kind of miss that capacity to lament. And sometimes with kids, there's just a lot of sadness, right? I'm sure you've seen kids. I've seen kids who come in and they're like, just lost so many things. I couldn't do this. I can't do that. 
there's loss and, and there's space. We need to help kids to recognize that that's okay. Loss and lament are a part of the range of emotion that God has given us. So how do mm. we help to both give names to that and labels to that, but how do we also help for kids to sit in those hard spaces and not move mm. through them too quickly, but to really feel those and what they feel like. I think the other one I think of with little kids they're anxious or nervous about something, it's often like, I just don't feel good. My stomach doesn't feel good. Mm. And then when you sit in and, un- and try to unpack some of that with kiddos, it's recognizing like, that's what that, what anxiety can feel like. And it feels different for all of us, but starting to pay attention to what our body is telling us. And I think that's one of the aspects where we can say God designed our bodies in amazing ways. He gives us these physiological cues that aren't to be ignored, but are to be tended to. And then we kind of start to identify what those things mm. feel like. And that gives us the drive to figure out what do we do with those emotions then. So true. So true. And I love you brought up the book of Psalms. The Bible <laughs> is actually so much better when I actually open it up, right? It's like, wow, it's actually totally acknowledging the emotional complexity of being a human being. It's It, it invites us into those spaces Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes our ideas about what the Bible's up to are a little bit cheaper or more superficial than what it's actually up to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a really great researcher. He's out of the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence named Mark Brackett. And he coined the phrase um, that we want to be with kids. We want to be emotional scientists, not emotional judges. Hmm. So we want to be curious with kids about what they're feeling and what their bodies are telling them and not be emotional judges like, oh, you must feel this way. So he has his own, there's lots of different social emotional programs. He has one of them that's a real formal curriculum, but he also is just a really wise teacher to lean into in terms of how do we, how do we get curious about emotions? How do we teach kids that vast range of emotions we have? Because we know, and this is where Inside Out is helpful for all of us, we know we're born with that limited set of emotions. And then as we grow and develop, we create some um, a greater range and access to what those different mm-hmm. emotions are. So helpful. All right, first big idea, self-awareness. What's the second big idea, Betsy? The second big idea is self-management, and that's another intrapersonal skill, and that's really our ability to regulate our emotions and manage daily stressors. Then we want to be able to set goals and monitor our progress towards achieving that goal and be able to adapt our approach if we need to, and then keep persisting towards that goal to achieve some success with it. So a lot of what we talk about in terms of self-management is really executive functions. How do I set goals and work towards them to get things done. And executive functioning really has three aspects to it. It's our working memory, so our ability to keep something in mind so that we can put it to use. This is where if you're distractible or your attention gets diverted, it's hard to keep that goal in mind until you, um, all the way until you get to the end of it. Flexible thinking is a part of executive functioning. So being able to see a problem from a lot of different angles and finding different solutions to solve that. And then inhibitory behavior. So stopping those impulses and controlling our attention and behavior and managing our emotions to keep um, persisting towards a goal. So a lot of self-management is thinking about, boy, how do we develop those executive functions in kids? And the other big giant piece to that is emotional regulation. And so that's what working with kids too. How do I regulate you know, first we become aware of our emotions and that self-awareness piece. Now that I'm aware of them, 
how do I regulate my emotions so that I can work towards a task or accomplish a goal that I have for myself? So that awareness leads into the ability to know what those emotions are telling us and then keeping the ones that are helping us work towards a goal, but allaying the ones that can inhibit us towards working towards a goal. When I think about self-management, some of the fun ways that we have and can do them are playing games. Like Simon says, red light, green light, freeze dance. It is those things that force us to um, pay attention to what's going on and how do I regulate myself to follow kind of the rules of a game like that. Hmm. Awesome. Okay. Self-awareness, self-management. What's next? Social awareness is the third competency and that's an interpersonal skill. So this is really when we start to think about how kids relate to other children. Social awareness refers to our ability to take the perspective of another, to appreciate that their ideas and perspectives and feelings are different than our own, and then how to respond to those differences. So we want students to ask the question, how well do I understand others and how they feel? So a lot of our time with social awareness is spent thinking about empathy. How do I understand, how do I have that idea that other people's thoughts and feelings might be different than mine in any given situation um, is really our goal of teaching social awareness. You mentioned literature for helping us understand ourselves. And wow, there's so many important, I think of (laughs) developmentally appropriate for middle schoolers or later Mm -hmm. elementary or even high school literature that the the whole goal is empathy, is putting ourselves in the shoes of another character Mm -hmm. and what their life is like. That can be so important. Yeah. One of my favorite things that I have had the chance to see is in a high school and they were um, doing the novel study or play study of Romeo and Juliet. And the Mm. teacher actually had shoes out for the main characters. And for the assessment part of that, kids had to step into the shoes and tell the part of the story from that perspective. So of of Romeo, of Juliet, right? So there's so many great ways. Charlotte's Web is a kind of a younger book that really looks at that whole story from a lot of different perspectives. And I, I'm sure many people have read the book Wonder or watched the movie. That's such a great middle grade book for how do we understand the different perspectives of all of those characters and those events, especially for like middle grade students and older students. It's sometimes really hard to have those conversations on a personal level. Like, boy, what do you think your neighbor was thinking when this happened? And it can be easier to have those conversations if you're kind of like a third party looking in. Um, And that's where, yeah, literature, even movies or shows that you're watching can be great ways to have those conversations. Okay. Self-awareness, self-management, social awareness. What's next? Relationship skills are the fourth fourth competency. And again, this is an interpersonal skill. So how we connect and engage with others. How do we demonstrate positive social skills in order to develop meaningful relationships? So ultimately, social awareness and relationship skills are really closely linked. For example, when students attempt to resolve a conflict between themselves, so that would be relationship skills. The process is made easier when both are able to empathize with each other, that social awareness piece, and are able to manage their emotions and behaviors to work collaboratively. So that's a bit of that self-management piece. So you can see how those are really linked. So really, a lot of this relationship skill piece we do in our classrooms when we help students to work together in pairs or in small groups or as a class 
And sometimes it's thinking through, boy, how do we set kids up for success and talk through whose role is what and what can we expect from each other? Relationship skills, um, another definition that I've heard for relationship skills is it's that ability to build positive relationships, especially with diverse individuals and groups, and using a variety of methods such as active listening and communication and conflict resolution skills. One of the ideologies that I really think is helpful when we think about relationship skills, we know conflict is a part of life. And um, for a lot of us, it's challenging to engage in that conflict in a healthy way and um, in a productive way. So one of the um, areas that we do some training around is restorative practices. And that's really the science of, boy, how do we think about how our interactions impact not only us, but the people around us. Restorative practices can be a guide in helping for us to reflect on what harm has occurred has occurred in a relationship. And this process really helps students understand how their behaviors are impacting others and helps them to develop the ability to reflect on that impact and then identify the ways in which that relationship can be repaired. So Mm. it doesn't leave relationships broken, but it's always working towards that understanding of the other. How do I communicate effectively and how do we work towards repairing the harm in, in a relationship? Wow, you know, the word uh, sounds like restorative practices are a lot about reconciliation. Yes. If you think about the Bible, that's maybe the most appropriate word off the top of my head to describe what God is up to from Genesis 3 to the end of the story. It's about reconciliation, bringing things that are apart, parties that are apart, bringing them back together. Mm -hmm. And what a cool way we as Christian school teachers and administrators and students can participate in the story God's telling through these restorative practices. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Okay, let's refresh that list just a minute. Self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills. I hope our listeners have pens and pencils out. I've got a whole paper that's already filled up with these ideas. What's the fifth practice or fifth big idea of social emotional learning? So the fifth big idea is responsible decision making. It's kind of, I like to think of it as, you know, we all have our penultimate class towards our degrees. It's kind of that end that end goal where we bring all of the skills together. So responsible decision making includes the ability to develop appropriate solutions to identified problems and utilizes the four other core competencies. So we want to teach kids to think through all the parts of a problem and understand it in a deeper way with awareness of their own values, so that self-awareness piece, cultivating the ability to think a few steps ahead and not make impulsive decisions to keep themselves regulated, that self-management piece. And then we want to think about how our choices will impact others and how we'll work with others to reach that end goal. So social awareness and relationship skills then are an aspect of all of that. So a lot of it is around, boy, how do we identify problems? How do we analyze that situation? How are we going to solve the problem? How are we going to evaluate the, our effectiveness in the actions that we took? And then how are we going to reflect on how that all went? So it's really developing this sense of how do I figure out what's right or wrong in any given situation, which involves both knowing yourself well, knowing who you are, knowing who you are as as a child of God. And then also, where do I fit within the community and what's for the greater good of the community? I'm trying to resist the urge to just imagine a utopian community (laughs) when when all these things are are done. But I really think that, that these five big ideas can contribute to at least healthier communities. 
healthier, not just Christian schools, but healthier uh, society, right? As, as we, mm-hmm. as we're teaching and training and practicing ourselves, how to go about social emotional awareness and, and learning and engagement. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. I think if we can equip continue to equip ourselves, right? We don't want to lose sight of the adult SEL. That's a piece of all of this. But yeah, imagining a world where our kids are really aware of who they are, aware of whose they are as a child of God, and then live out of that into a community that they work to understand and wrestle with big, deep issues and work towards solutions collaboratively, I think is our goal, right? I think this is who God's called for us to be and to create sort of that vision of shalom. Hmm. Oh, amen. And if you look at the landscape of just the United States right now, there's such polarization, such a, a even with those five big ideas to look at, look at, watch the news through that lens. It's a realization that, wow, yeah, we're in need of these skills. And I think a lot of that reconciliation can happen as we start to think about social, emotional learning and health. Yes, definitely. Betsy, for somebody interested in learning more about All Belong, where would you point them to, to find out more? I would go to our website for sure, allbelong.org. We have lots of different resources on there. We did create a resource over the summer that's really, boy, how do we think COVID specific right now? And if you're really interested, there is a tab all about social emotional learning and highlights a few different programs. What has been impressive is I think kind of on a national level within education, there's been a big push towards understanding and implementing social emotional learning practices. Hmm. You could go to the CASEL website. That also, it's just C-A-S-E-L.org. They have a lot of information there. Know that that's not going to be so much from a faith-based perspective, but it has a lot of research and resources that are really valuable and helpful. Betsy Winkle, I'm so grateful for this conversation, but also for the hard work you're investing in the health of our students. And I'm grateful for that. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Yeah, it was great. Thanks so much for inviting me into this conversation. 